As schools reopen, there's another problem, and it's not the coronavirus. That story and more on H2O Radio's weekly news report. I'm Jamie Sudler. I'm Franny Halperin, and it's This Week in Water. Last week, the country endured several disasters, including a major hurricane, wildfires, and of course, an ongoing pandemic. All of which prompted one climate scientist to tell NPR that if our collective future were a movie, last week would be the trailer. Hurricane Laura struck Louisiana and Texas growing from a Category 1 hurricane to Category 4 in a day. The rapid intensification of the storm was one of the fastest on record in the Gulf of Mexico, which the Washington Post reports is happening more frequently thanks in part to climate change warming ocean temperatures. The damage caused by Hurricane Laura was extensive. Fourteen people lost their lives, and in Lake Charles, Louisiana, Roofs were peeled off, buildings destroyed, and light posts tossed into streets. Southwest Louisiana is home to numerous oil and gas wells, pipelines, and storage tanks that could cause environmental disasters such as spills into coastal marshes and waters. But the New Orleans Advocate reports the extent of that damage may not be known for weeks. An industrial plant that makes chlorine-based products caught fire, sending caustic smoke throughout the area and leading to a shelter-in-place order. Hundreds of thousands were without power and water, and officials said it could be weeks before they were restored. As children return to school, parents, teachers, and staff are focused on the coronavirus. But there might be another problem to contend with, Legionnaire's disease. The New York Times reports that the Legionella bacteria was found in nine schools in Ohio and Pennsylvania last week. Legionella can form in stagnant water and can be inhaled when a tap is turned on, causing infection in the lungs. It can be fatal in 10% of cases. Children are at lower risk, but older students adults and others with compromised immune systems are vulnerable. Many school buildings were unoccupied since March, and experts have worried that there weren't plans to deal with the effects of long-term shutdowns. As they reopen, some schools have turned off drinking fountains and sinks to prevent the spread of the coronavirus. But that can actually increase the risk of Legionnaires because the bacteria lurk in stagnant water supplies, faucets, and locker room showerheads. Flushing pipelines with fresh water that includes chlorine can guard against Legionella, but it must be done regularly in each outlet. The only way to tell if the flushing is effective is to test the water. Andrew Welton of Purdue University said that parents who've not heard that their schools are testing the water should start asking questions. It's a crime that's neither well understood nor well known. As much as 50% of the world's water supply is stolen each year, and most of it occurs in the agricultural sector. The online news outlet ZME Science reports that there's no agreed-upon definition of water theft, but basically it's installing unauthorized connections, tampering with meters, or drilling without a permit all with the goal of not paying. A new study led by the University of Adelaide found that water theft increases when governments fail to detect and prosecute thieves and when there's uncertainty regarding water availability in the future. The researchers modeled three geographic areas. In Australia, they found that cotton farmers stole water when it was restricted for environmental purposes, and there was also inadequate metering of what was being used. In Spain, regulators were assaulted when they tried to stop users from stealing water for strawberry fields. And in the U.S., marijuana growers stole water from fire hydrants. There are many more cases of water theft that, if addressed, could lead to a 30 to 50 percent recovery of what is lost.
Head lice are yucky and annoying even if they don't transmit disease. The tiny insects can latch on to anyone but are of particular concern for school-aged children. They also latch on to elephant seals, which may be unexpected because, as the New York Times reports, the large mammals spend almost 10 months of the year in Antarctic waters and dive 6,500 feet below the surface, staying down for two hours at a time, taking the lice with them. After collecting specimens of the lice from the seals, scientists brought the insects back to their lab, where they exposed them to pressure 200 times greater than at the surface. Nearly all of them survived, and the scientists suspect that these seal lice simply hold their breath in deep water. And finally, as the climate crisis intensifies, humans will have to adapt to extreme storms, water scarcity, and heat waves. But how will wildlife cope? According to new research, they're making adjustments too. While studying songbirds in tropical rainforests, scientists discovered that when there's a drought, birds dialed back reproduction, and that helped them survive. University of Montana researchers looked at numerous species of songbirds in Venezuela and Malaysia over a 17-year period, which included episodes of drought. They found that instead of trying to raise baby chicks and deal with severe environmental conditions, most of the songbirds had fewer offspring, by nearly 40% in Malaysia and over 50% in Venezuela. Even more surprising, songbirds with longer lifespans curtail breeding more during dry spells, and that made them more resilient as opposed to shorter live species that kept breeding during droughts and didn't fare so well. The prospect of fewer songbirds in our warming world is upsetting. So before we go, one last bit of science news you might find useful. Researchers have discovered a strain of yeast they hope could be used to brew sake that produces high levels of an amino acid which reduces fatigue and improves sleep. In our current stressful, chaotic world, sake to me. That's it for This Week in Water, and we'll see you next time.